source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 87. I'm your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Melinda. And this is John. And actually John is not here on this episode, he's taking this episode off, but not to be outdone, we do have a British member of our cast taking his place. It wouldn't make any sense if it wasn't anybody who wasn't British, so Joe is here with us. Hello. And today, we, besides talking about the news, our, really our main discussion is we're going to talk a lot about Man of Steel, even though that has really nothing to do with the Batman universe. There are a couple things that I will tie it into the Batman universe, but specifically, that's what we're talking about, because that was really the big DC thing that happened in the month of June. So, first up, let's get straight into movie news. See, this is how crazy Batman's made Gotham. You want order in Gotham. Batman must take off his mask and turn himself in. Oh, and every day he doesn't, people will die. Starting tonight. I'm a man of my word. (laughs) So, in the last episode that we recorded, we talked about how the Flashpoint trailer released... There has not been any more clips released since that first trailer. We do know that the film is going to be released in July, probably the week after Comic-Con. I can't remember the exact date, even though it has been announced. I just remember it's in July. But the film will be out before the next podcast uh, releases, so be sure between now and then to be checking the website for not only the interviews that Warner Brothers sends over with the various voice cast, but also more clips, because I'm sure there's going to, there's bound to be more clips that will slowly start to release as well. Outside of Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox, which is the really the only major thing within the Batman universe coming out, there was a couple of different things that were hinted at. Number one, the film slate for the DC animated films will be announced. The, all of the films that will release in 2014 will be announced at Comic-Con, so be sure to check out the website as the news from Comic-Con releases. But in addition to that, there is supposedly another film that's releasing still this year in 2013, sometime in the fall, presumably September, October. And they said that basically what I've heard is that because The Dark Knight Returns was split into two parts and the second part was released so early in the year... They're not really using that as their third movie for the 2013 because they've already done Superman Unbound, Justice League Flashpoint, and now there supposedly is some other project. I don't know if it's actually a full-length movie. I don't know if it's something else, but something else is releasing towards the fall area of this year. So who knows what it could be. It could end up being that villains, the, the villains 
documentary that they talked about before, but I have an odd suspicion that it's probably not that. I think there's going to be something else. Maybe it's a collection of some shorts that haven't actually been on the DVDs. Who knows? What do you guys think? I'd be really, really stoked if it was the the villains documentary because I, like I said last time, I think that that documentary sounds like it would be really great, but. I can't see that being ready in time for a fall release. So I think it, I think the collection of shorts is probably the most likely scenario, which that's great. That's awesome to collect all of those. I'm not sure if that will do as well as they think it will do. I wouldn't slate that as, you know, one of your big three releases for the year. It's not something I would, I would bet my money on but i think that's what it likely will be i don't really care what it is because all the dc animated films are for are good to fantastic so i i hope that it's not as much as i love batman i hope it's not a batman or a justice league or a, and i hope they branch out and start looking at other characters because i really want to see them building up their recognition in in uh, media if it was a collection of shorts, it would be interesting to see. I think it was thrown out in the last episode about the the Batman Flashpoint miniseries, if that was a short, or if they took a few of those miniseries from that Flashpoint universe and built those into a, a tie-in to the Flashpoint film. That would be interesting, but I'm not sure how like that is, because you'd have to wait to see the success of the Justice League film first. Yeah, I think that it's probably going to end up being some sort of collection of some sort, whether it be whether it be a collection of shorts from what they've been showing on DC Nation, which is more TV than than the Warner Brothers animation stuff that we've seen uh, release under the DC animated banner, or it could be something completely out there that we're not expecting. The only things that we know that will be released at some point, at this point, is the Villains documentary. That's the only thing that they've actually said is releasing, but the assumption was that it was going to be releasing towards the end of the year, probably around the same time Man of Steel was releasing in uh, in stores, which is probably like late November, early December. So that's more likely for the Villains documentary, but the, the question surrounds what is this other project is that's going to be coming out. I don't think it's going to be a full-length project. It would be great to see some of those Flashpoint miniseries collected. I just don't see that happening, too. But th- we'll know soon enough. It's only a matter of weeks before it actually is announced at San Diego Comic-Con, whatever this other project is, as well as the full slate for 2014. So, outside of that, I don't really have any news related to anything else movie-wise, except for stuff that kind of ties into Man of Steel. So, I'll bring that stuff up later when we discuss Man of Steel. So, let's move into TV news. I consider it an honor to be your teacher. I'll throw a lot at you. Everything I've learned from my own mentors. And my own bruises. What happened? The job. Now... Combat is about controlling conflict, putting the battle on your terms. You should always be acting, never reacting. I'll need a sparring partner. Right here, yeah. The only TV news we have is that there has been new episodes of Teen Titans Go. Um, It was announced on June 28th that Teen Titans Go has been picked up for a second season by Cartoon Network. 
I am not a huge fan of that idea, but then again, it's still being successful and it's still getting the brand out there in some way, even if it's not the best way that we would prefer. Outside of Teen Titans Go, we have a little bit of news regarding Beware the Batman. There were some new images and a new trailer release for Beware the Batman that is out and available for you guys to check out right now, but that was on the heels of them actually announcing that Beware the Batman is actually going to begin airing in July. The first episode is set to air on July 13th, so only a week away from the time you're listening to this. It will actually be airing during the DC Nation block on Saturdays, followed by the unfortunate Teen Titans Go! But they actually have released the schedule for the first three episodes, so for the month of July. Uh, July 13th, the episode will be entitled Hunted. Batman stops two vigilantes from taking their revenge over a shady land deal, and Aging Alfred hires his replacement, a female bodyguard named Katana. And then July 20th, we have an episode called Secrets. A new female villain, Magpie, kidnaps Batman, who must decipher her multiple personality disorder in order to outsmart her. And then July 27th, Tess. Bruce puts Katana through a series of tests to prove her loyalty. Meanwhile, Batman battles anarchy. So right out the gate, we've got three episodes that are featuring characters that really haven't really been featured before. They made a point to say that they're not going to have villains that were featured in other media or other TV series. So right out of the gate, we have Magpie, which we knew, which they were talking about was going to be there, as well as Anarchy. I've actually already seen that they actually have merchandise planned around Anarchy, and Anarchy's actually going to be playing a role in Batman Arkham Origins that comes out this fall as well. So it's nice to see that there are other villains within the Batman universe that they're going to be focusing on and are not just going to pop in the show and then forget about the fact that these same villains are actually going to be appearing in multiple different areas of the Batman universe. Given Anarchy's history within the comics, I do find it kind of surprising that he has never before been featured in in some animated form or in any of the movies. So I think that's really great that it's not necessarily that they're taking some of the new villains that you know people have just introduced within the last few years. They're actually taking older ones that that we've wanted to see for a really long time. And in reading the episode descriptions, one of the things that's that strikes me is that this this kind of does seem like it's going to have those those long story not necessarily story arcs but things that tie episodes together it's not going to be one-offs i know that was one of the things i really liked about young justice was the consistently tying together storylines if this can fill that void i think that might make the slap of teen titans go a little less harsh yeah but i think just looking at the trailer for me at least i was holding out until I, I was seeing the show. But from the trailer, I'm less optimistic than I was. It, I find it quite hard to watch just the style of the animation. I know we're all fans of classical animation, and this is a bit jarring for me. So I'm hoping that the story is really great, and that's what uh, continues to make me watch it. Yeah, the the thing that I'm hoping for is the main producer Glenn Nukrami was also the 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 main producer on Batman Beyond, and I enjoyed Batman Beyond greatly. So I'm really hoping that they bring some really good stories to this series. I also am not a huge fan of this 3D animation influx CG stuff. I, I I'm not a huge fan of it, but at the same time, 
I understand that when you, even if you compare it to some of the cartoons that are still being made in 2D form nowadays, you compare 2D animation nowadays to 2D animation from like 20 years ago. There's, it's, it's actually really sad how, how undetailed it is. Just turn on Cartoon Network, and as long as it's not showing a classic Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry, you'll see what I'm talking about with some of these, these current cartoon shows, Adventure Time, Johnny Test. Shows like that, they don't have a lot of detail in the actual animation. It's, it's very, very, you know, I wouldn't say stick-figured-like, but... All the all the people have very little detail. It's it's very simple animation, and that's the cost of being able to do 2D animation and not move over to the 3D stuff. But at the same point, it's just that's what that's the the cost of what animation is nowadays. Well, I know when the Simpsons movie came out quite a few years ago now, they said that that was the love letter to hand animated 2d stuff they said this was going to be the farewell because the cost associated with doing you know that really complex 2d animation was just it was too much so i i can understand why shows have moved away from that and into the cg even if they're doing two-dimensional it's still it's a very different animated animation styling and it's it's sad to see because we you do lose a lot of quality um and i think they're making the mistake of confusing quality with quantity. Yes, we have a lot of animated shows, but none of them are as good. All right, so either way, tune in to Cartoon Network on July 13th to check out the first episode to see how it ends up being as far as whether or not it's it turns out to be a good show or not, despite the, the quorums that we have about the animation style. So that's going to bring us straight into merchandise news. It's Batman, like you've never seen him before. Wow! Hey, Joker, a battery surprise! Miss me, Batman! That jet wings out fire! I never run out of tricks. You'll need them. Batman, the Dark Knight Collection, each sold separately. As far as merchandise news goes, we just have a couple of different things. Uh, first off, June 7th, Mezco revealed a Harley Quinn Mezic clip-on. We have pictures of that over on the website. In addition to that, on June 18th, Warner Brothers announced that they are teaming with Sanro, who produces the Hello Kitty items, to produce DC comic Hello Kitty toys, focusing on Supergirl, Wonder Woman, and Batgirl. There, I'm sure that we'll be seeing some of these products at uh, San Diego Comic Con, but the products will be on shelves by 2014. So I'm sure either if it's not at San Diego Comic Con, we'll probably see something come out of New York Comic Con at the very latest. In addition to that, Mattel also on June 19th showed off the first figures that will be part of the Batman Unlimited series that will feature characters from uh, Batman Arkham Origins. The first two that they revealed is Batman and Deathstroke. So if you haven't been paying attention to the action figures as of late, ever since really it really was after summer of last year, Mattel ended all of their different lines, the Batman Legacy line, the Dark Knight Rise Movie Masters went away, and all these figures were gone. The DC Classics line, all of these figures were eliminated, and they condensed everything into two different lines, DC Unlimited and 
Batman Unlimited. Batman Unlimited releases a number of different figures. They've had a bunch of different things, but they're they're not specifically from any specific incarnation. They're coming from all kinds of different avenues, including the comics, including the movies, including TV shows, as we'll see with some of the stuff from Beware the Batman, and video games. So it, it's just one giant line where they can continue to produce all kinds of different figures. Over in the DC Unlimited line, they've actually also released some things based off of the video game, specifically Injustice Gods Among Us. Recently, they released a number of figures, including Batman and Joker from that game as part of that series as well. So despite the fact that Batman has his own line of figures, he's still making his way over to the DC Unlimited line as well. So these figures, these Arkham Origins figures, will be part of that Batman Unlimited line that... And they'll most likely release sometime in the fall, winter area time frame. With the Warner Brothers Sanrio partnership, I understand that girls are really the target for that one. I can't, I can't see either of you clipping one of those onto your satchel and making your way down the street. I'm really not a fan of how they look because to me. If you want to stylize Wonder Woman, Batgirl, things like that, if you want to stylize those characters, by all means, but don't replace them with the Hello Kitty face. To me, it just look it's disconcerting and jarring, and it's two things that I don't necessarily see meshing. They're trying to force together. But looking at the Mattel action figures, again, it's the same detail that we've come to expect from them. Deathstroke looks really odd. I don't know if it, if that's just the photography, but... I would be curious to see how that translates into something I'm actually holding in my hand because to me in that picture he looks he looks very weird and not like something I would ever want to have. My girlfriend is actually obsessed with Hello Kitty and she despises well not despises but she has no patience for my Batman figures and obsession basically so maybe this will be the crossover where I can finally start pulling her into my world a little more. That's the. I think that's what Warner Brothers and DC's goal is ultimately being crossing over everything they possibly can. All right, the last bit of merchandise news we have on June 25th, there is a media event that uh, Mezco held at the Ripley, believe it or not, in Times Square, and they revealed their Batman classic TV series, Mezitz Collection, and Batmobile. So it'll be a Batman, a Robin, both both based off the likeness of Adam West and Burt Ward. And then the classic Lincoln Futura Batmobile that will also match and be able to fit these figures in it as well. These will probably also be shown off at San Diego Comic Con. We have pictures over on the website for you guys to check out if you're interested in that. But needless to say, everyone's getting really hyped about the Batman classic TV series stuff. We also know that Mattel is going to start releasing some of their their stuff in the coming months as well. So start to expect to start seeing this stuff pop up in stores all over the place. Alright, so with that, that is all of the merchandise news. Let's get straight into video game news. Find a body? No. And next time, keep your other assassins out of my way. You had your shot, Deathstroke. But you're not the only assassin in town. And the night is young.
couple of different things to go over. The first thing is that besides the fact that there's been tons of different things released about Batman Origins, we've seen the box art now, we know what systems it is. We also have a couple of different new videos that have released specifically because E3 happened this month. So there's a new gameplay trailer that hit the internet. You can check that out over on the website. But really the big news, in my mind at least, for Batman Arkham Origins is the fact that it was announced that PS3 is going to get a very exclusive DLC pack right around the time that the game actually launches. Now this uh, DLC pack will actually feature two different skins that you'll be actually be able to wear in the game. One of them is based off of the 60s TV series which again just flows into what I was just saying with the merchandise where you know it's starting to pop up everywhere but the other one is a little bit more interesting on my end it's the fact that they're going to have a nightfall batman costume that that you can actually have batman walk around in his nightfall costume and i thought that was kind of interesting joystick was the ones to uh, announce this and they have pictures that we've posted on the website as well so you can check that out but needless to say I'm sure there's going to be an onslaught of all kinds of exclusives here and there. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem as if they are having a whole lot of exclusives that they're announcing super in advance, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But basically, at this point in time, because the game is only about four months away, we would have already heard the fact that you know there's certain games that have you know, if you pre-order at certain places, you get the game, you get certain exclusives. And none of that's been announced. They haven't announced the collector's edition of the game either yet, which is odd because even four months in advance, they did that with Injustice, which, in my mind, Batman Arkham Origins would be a bigger game than Injustice, but maybe, again, that's just me. I think the uh, Azrael-themed suit looks really cool. From what I remember, you were able to purchase, eventually, all of the exclusive stuff on any platform. It was just exclusive for a short time. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. That being said, I can only speak for myself. I'm the type of consumer that, if that were the case, the exclusive DLC stuff would not be enough to sway me to one one thing or the other, because I know eventually I'm going to be able to get it all. I think that including the Nightfall content right now was a great move, because right now, Nightfall... You know, it's had its re-release in comics. We're all really familiar with the Bane character, so we know we know a lot more about that storyline than you know people did two or three years ago. So I think that 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 was a really smart DLC to to pick to release. But I don't know how I feel about the idea that it's it's exclusive because it doesn't seem to stay that way forever. And that to me is something that I'm more interested in. Is if it sounds really bad, but if I can keep it for myself forever and no one else can have it, that's worth more to me. But here's the catch. The catch is that this is most likely going to be free to PS3 users right off the bat. And yes, you'll be able to buy it on other systems, but you'll have to pay for it. And I think that's the exclusive element of it. I guess that makes sense then. I don't know how you guys really feel about this game. I'm kind of nervous for it just because of how good the first two were. And without the same creative team behind it and without Paul Dini I'm nervous for how good this is going to be so I'm actually I pre-ordered the last game which is the first game I ever did that for I won't be doing it for this game and will be waiting to hear feedback on it plus as I found out last year I got burned by the 
Game of the Year edition, which included the Harley Quinn DLC pack, and could have got it for a lot cheaper rather than having to download that separately. So I'll probably end up waiting with this game for the Game of the Year edition if it turns out to be as good. My thing is this, you know, I, I'm I'm still on the fence. I you know I can't say one way or the other. I do think that the videos that they have shown, it does look really good, and I don't think that it looking like anything is going to be the issue. I think it's really going to come down to how well the story is made. At this point, we know that Black Mask is basically has a bounty out on Batman and all of these different people, including Deathstroke, Deadshot, I think uh, uh, Bane. Th- these characters are coming in and they're trying to take out Batman because they want the bounty that, ba- that Black Mask has put on Batman's head. It's kind of an interesting story. It's outside of everything we've done with the other Arkham games. As far as we know, it's not limited to a very specific area of Gotham. It's it's literally Gotham is at your, you know, you can go throughout the entire Gotham City instead of just having a small little chunk of Gotham City or even just the small island where the prison is for the, the for Batman Arkham Asylum. I think that the idea of, you know, being able to have Batman go anywhere and everywhere in Gotham City is really cool. And I think that if it just continues to build on that idea where, you know, suddenly you can start to go in buildings and you can start to go in the sewer systems and the subways. And I'm not saying that that it has to happen for this game, but there's only so many ways you can take Batman. And, you know, there's, you know, Spider-Man games were one of the first games that I ever played that had that really giant open area outside of like the Grand Theft games where you could basically be Spider-Man, go all over New York City, and basically go anywhere on Long Island. And it was really cool, and I always thought that would be really cool for Batman, but the problem is you have to make it actually interesting and not just, oh, go all over the place. And they've done that with the last two Arkham games where they have the the Riddler's riddles that are spread all over the place that you have to kind of seek out and find. And when you open up the entire Gotham City to it, it's, it can be really cool. So I think that it's entirely possible for this game to be good. I think that it's probably going to be on the same level as Arkham Asylum as far as as story and quality. It'll probably look really great. It'll maybe be a little bit of a better step up from um, Arkham City as far as looking, but I don't think it's going to be on par with Arkham City as far as the story goes just because it's outside of everything that did the first two with Paul Dini and Rocksteady. I definitely like the idea of it being more open world, like a sandbox game. I think that would be really cool to, yeah, like you said, to be able to go into buildings and explore even more so, and being able to visit famous landmarks in Gotham, stuff like that would be really interesting. And it would be really cool just to see some of the stuff that they include too, because there's so much that they, I mean, obviously there's there's over 70 years that they could pull from to actually have stuff to use but i mean there's if you just look at the last 25 years in the 90s they really started to like build gotham to be a lot more of a specific place and they did a lot of that during no man's land when they were rebuilding and stuff like that but there you know it was the 90s that started laying out maps of gotham city and started focusing a lot more on the landmarks that weren't necessarily related to batman so i think that it's entirely possible that they have plenty of history to you know, pull from in order to make something really cool. But I think that eventually it's going to become, okay, so what do we do after we have the entire Gotham City? And the only thing I can think of that would make sense is start to have buildings that you can go into, like how Arkham Asylum was, where you could basically go in every every and any building you wanted to. 
but do that across the entire thing. Yes, it would be a humongous game, but you already have the core of the game built from the previous game where you already have maps of the, the city and you already have all the building layouts and stuff like that. You just put in the, the inside of the buildings. I think it would be a really cool idea, but I'm, I'm probably getting ahead of myself because I don't think that's going to be Arkham Origins. No, but that sort of thing would lend itself even to... Snyder's uh, recent work with things like uh, Gates of Gotham and even the Owls and having those sort of secret areas would be really interesting. Yep. Alright, so outside of that, there hasn't really been any other major video game news. Talked about the Scribblenauts game on the last episode. That was also another game that they they showed off at E3 as well as uh, more of Injustice. Outside of those games, we haven't really heard about any newer games that are coming out uh, related to the Batman universe, so just for now, we have Batman Arkham Origins, so we'll be focusing on that, and I'm sure, as as I said last episode, leading up to October, we're going to be seeing a lot more videos and a lot more concept art and stuff like that that's going to be popping up, so be sure to check it out on the website. We have no general news, so that's basically all the news that we have for this episode. As far as listener Q&As, for whatever reason, we have yet another month that we have no no Q&As from anybody. So we're going to take this time to talk about Man of Steel because we were people were asking about Justice League and Man of Steel in the previous episodes. And now, of course, I guess everyone's time has been consumed by watching Man of Steel over and over again for the past couple of weeks. So we have no listener Q&As. So I'm actually going to hand it over to Joe. And that's part of the reason why Joe is here is because of Man of Steel. So let's talk Man of Steel. So just a heads up before we get into this Man of Steel conversation, there will in fact be some spoilers that uh, we'll discuss. We're not actually going to be discussing the, giving a plot synopsis of the film, but just be warned that if you haven't seen it, there may in fact be things that we are going to talk about that could in fact be classified as spoilers. So just take warning of that if you haven't seen the film. I guess the first thing that we can talk about is, did we like it? I've heard mixed reviews. Most people are generally favorable but there's a lot of critics who say there are things wrong with it i would just like to hear your guys opinion on what you liked and didn't like about the film i thought that overall it was i thought it was really good came out of the theater i said to my wife i said i'd probably put this above the dark knight rises sitting on the same step as batman begins but not as good as the dark knight she didn't necessarily agree with me on that but I thought that they did a really good, really good job of like basically setting up Superman's world. Um, one of the complaints that I heard was the fact that they spent a lot of time in the beginning on Krypton with the entire Kryptonian battle and, and Jor-El. And I thought that that was actually a really good thing because it set up and really made you feel for the Kryptonians in general. It made the villains not so bad until later on in the film because they really felt as if they were going to be able to save their race and that's what their whole entire mission was. I think that, honestly, the absolute best parts of the movie was anytime Kevin Costner was on screen because 
he did an amazing job. Everything that he said, there was even a couple points where I started to get like a little, a little, uh, I, like I had the thought of being able to get Misty if I could get Misty. So I thought that overall the, the movie was fantastic. It was, it was really good. It was everything that I hoped for. And in some cases it was probably even more than I hoped for in some ways. So I thought it was really good. By and large, I really liked it. There were a few specific things that I took issue with it. Uh, Like Dustin, I loved Kevin Costner's performance. I thought he did so great as Pa Kent. And the casting in general, I thought was really wonderful for this movie. There was not really any point where I was like, I don't buy you as this character. And whether or not that's my lack of familiarity with Superman, I didn't take any issues with the casting. The time spent on Krypton at the start, I feel like did give us perspective on the villain and and made them seem less over the top than they might have seemed otherwise because you understood what they were fighting for and why they were fighting in the way that they did. I think that they probably could have spent a little less time there in the start, but I it, that did not affect my overall view of the movie. So I would say I... I more so liked it than disliked it, but the things that I didn't like about it were, were in my opinion, pretty big things. I really liked the film. I saw it twice in IMAX, and I'm hoping to see it again. The thing I liked most about the film is I'm sick of origin stories, and this was an origin story, but it did it in a different way. It, it flipped it up, and it moved it around, and I just love that we're introduced to the villain first, because so often in comic book films we're introduced to the hero we see them coming becoming the hero about you know three quarters of the way through the film it's all of that building up to that one moment and then oh there's a the big villain he fights him defeats his number one villain and then second film you're like oh well who's he gonna fight next whereas this it, it established the villain first and his motives and it wasn't just a oh i'm gonna get you because general Zod was there before superman so he had his motives and then it was almost Superman coming against him, which I just thought was a really great move. And the way they didn't tell it in a linear way, and it so it didn't feel like it was just kind of building up to this one fight at the end, which was admittedly very long, but it was definitely action-packed enough, and it kept my attention. One of the main complaints that I've heard about it is that it's not cheerful enough, which I do understand, but I think I can see joy and cheerfulness in it it may look dark but i think if you don't focus solely on like the look of the film i think there is fun in it i think a lot of the interactions between clark and lois are fun when clark first learns to fly that's like a really great moment and i think that whilst i'd like to see the red trunks and i'd like to see it more colorful i think that they probably played it a bit safe and did it in this slightly darker way but it worked and I'm glad that it worked and I'm just glad that it they didn't risk maybe going in a slightly more cheerful way and it backfiring so I'm definitely happy with the way it turned out I think Michael Shannon uh, General Resolve did an excellent job I thought he was a fantastic villain my only real complaint is I do like Park Kent and I think that he did a good job. I think it could be taken... Because in the comics... And I'm not as familiar as some people are with Superman. And I think that's why I can overlook some things. And some people might be 
against certain aspects more than me. But but with Parkent, I think that he should maybe or people say that he's supposed to be the one who teaches Clark how to be, you know, the good guy and and to fight for the little man and protect Earth and stuff. And I think that he did that in his own way. A lot of people were saying, oh, no, he's just telling him to hide and stuff like that. I disagree because he was saying, you know, the world's not ready for you yet. So when it is, that's when you can be Superman. The only problem I had was when he died in the <laughs> hurricane or tornado. Because I, I much prefer... Where Clark says to Park Kent, you know, I'll race you back to the home. And that's when Park Kent has his heart attack. And then Clark feels some guilt for that. Whereas this, it was Park Kent just saying, oh, no, stand back. I'm going to let myself be killed. And I didn't like that as much because, I mean, Clark, admittedly, he doesn't have his full power set at that point. So maybe he couldn't have saved him. Maybe he could. But I just think that it was it was such an avoidable situation that they could have had the that actual origin of him racing and I think that's much more heartfelt and lend, and lends itself to a, a better origin for Clark and his sensibilities. Well, I have to disagree with you on that. I never really liked the idea of them just being in a race against each other and then Pa Kent has a heart attack because of it because I, I just think that's cheesy. Obviously, Pa Kent knows that Clark has power, so why would he push himself to the point where he has a heart attack? It's just that, to me, is not very realistic. What I got out of that scene where Pa Kent gets killed by the tornado is the fact that he it's not so much that, that Clark couldn't save him. It was that he wanted his son to stay safe because he was convinced that the world would look at him and say, you know, this is a freak. We need to arrest him. We're going to, you know, do experiments on him, blah, 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 all this stuff. And that's what he never wanted for him. He wanted him to just you know, live a normal life and be able to be a normal person. Obviously, Clark, you know, did not feel that that was the case, that, you know, he didn't feel like that was who he was meant to be, but out of respect towards his father's feelings, he didn't go after his father, and he left his, he you know, he took his father's advice and, and let his father essentially die. Because of that, you know, Clark is basically, you know, that he's it's showing that, that uh, Pa Kent dies for what he believes. He believes that, despite the fact that he could have saved his own life by telling his son to come and get him, he believes that it, the world is not ready for him, and because it's not, by revealing himself that he was able to save him, he would in turn have a situation where everybody would be raising questions about him and be in that situation. So I think it was that that was actually one of the more emotional parts of the movie for me, outside of the the very last scene where they, they cut back to Pacent 2, where they show uh, him basically wearing the cape as a kid and Pacent and Ma Kent watching on, that was one of the, the more... Because it was, it was trying to prove a point. He was, he was doing what he was doing. He might have been a stubborn old man, but he was proving his point, which is the world was not ready. And... At, and in, in the placement of the movie, it worked out perfectly because the world was not ready. They had no idea that this person was here. And when they found out, they were pretty pissed. And they had no problem turning him over to, you know, this person who was threatening to kill the world. So I think that the placement of it made sense. And I think it works better than the, let's have a race and I have a heart attack. I understand that. And I guess that in the film, 
that it works. I just I prefer the race, and it, not because Clark Kent is not not because Clark Kent is racing him and thinks oh, I'm going to win. I'm going to push myself more just because he has a a heart attack, just because he has a heart attack, and that's when Clark realizes, oh, I have all these powers. I can do anything, but I can't save you. I can't save your life. This is something I can't do. And I like that humbling moment. So I prefer that aspect. But in this film, I, it does how what they chose to do. It does work. I just wish they'd gone another way with it. That scene. I think I read it a little differently than than you guys. Pa Kent knows that he can't. Like, there's very little he can actually do to protect Clark. I viewed that as him saying, yeah, you know, I believe the world isn't ready for you, and I know you want more than anything to save my life right now, but don't, because this is the only way I can protect you. Throughout the whole movie, they kind of, they deal with the issue of the fact that those are not his his birth parents. They know that. They delay telling him that, but that, that scene to me was was Pa Kent's way of saying, no, this is the only way I can protect you. And and I will die to protect you. Because that's parenthood. You know, all of his parents have died, well, his parents have died protecting him, aside from Ma Kent. I like that that parallel method of storytelling where, where both of his parents have made that choice for him. Yeah. I mean, I watched it once and that's when I went back and sort of looked at reviews and critics and going back with those in my head and I ended up still loving it. I was worried that that would affect the way I watched it. But I ended up finding out that, no, this is the way that I view it and I like it in the way that I do. And it, I think that people, a lot of people seem to, at least in my opinion, misread that sort of that relationship and a lot of the themes in the film. And I think a lot of it was really heartfelt. The only other thing which I had a slight problem with was... Jorel's being exposition man, and I, you know, there's not really much you can do about that. They needed someone to explain to Clark who he was and and why that was going on. But I'm not sure how they could have done that more subtly. It's just that was a bit of a. It's almost as if oh yeah, we hired Russell Crowe. We got to put him in the film a bit more than just this opening. Well, it's still a bit more subtle than an ice fortress appearing out of nowhere. <laughs> I guess. And uh, yeah, the Fortress of Solitude is a pretty cool idea, just being the Kryptonian scout ship. We're spoiling all over this, so if you yeah. haven't seen it, at this yet, point, you've probably already seen it, even though we probably we didn't really want to spoil it. Yeah. Now, how does this tie into Batman? You ask. Well, as it turns out, uh, as we talked about before on multiple episodes prior to the Man of Steel coming out, we talked about the fact that Man of Steel is really kind of the launching point for this new era of DC movies outside of the Dark Knight trilogy which is going to be a standalone trilogy on its own and is not really going to tie into what they're planning on doing with the Justice League movie. So everything has really been hinging on the fact that this movie was successful. Now the weekend that it released it actually set a new record for June opening and it had a pretty significant box office haul I think currently it's sitting at like over $400 million in the box office worldwide. So, I mean, it's well on its way to being, you know, a good movie that's going to make a ton of money. And Warner Brothers is happy about that. Now, how does this play into what they're going to do with future Batman movies or future Justice League movies? Well, there was a little bit of a blurb that we have posted on the site. David Goyer did an interview at Hey You Guys. 
and he talks about what would actually happen with the DC Universe movie series. So this is what he said. Zack has said that Bruce Wayne exists in this universe. It would be a different Bruce Wayne from Chris Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, and it would be disingenuous to say that Zack and I haven't had various conversations on set around what if and moving forward. That having been said, it's all going to depend on the next few weeks. Warner Brothers has hopes that there will be more Man of Steel films and that this will be the beginning of a shared universe. We could meet Batman or Wonder Woman or the Justice League in these movies, but they all hinge on box office reception. If that happens, I would be happy and nervous to dive in. They're hoping that the film does well, but God forbid it doesn't, things will change. I don't know how many different iterations of Justice League they've tried to mount over the last decade or so, but for one reason or another, they haven't happened. I think Warner Brothers has seen, and Chris deserves the biggest credit for this, that we are all able to revitalize Batman and put it into the first billion-dollar superhero film. And they're hoping that Superman will be revitalized as well. And if we can do Batman and Superman, then maybe we can move on to Wonder Woman, The Flash, and other characters like that. This interview posts on June 14th, which was the same day that the film released in theaters, but... Needless to say, the interview was actually performed before the film released and before the reception up for it. But the film has been successful, so the question is, where do we go from here as far as the, the future of the DC Universe films? Now, the other big news that happened this month, which is not, it's not really huge news, but the other big news that happened was that the current head of Warner Brothers Pictures, Jeff Robinoff, who has been leading the charge for the live-action DC animated just League film in 2015, he has been ousted from Warner Brothers. I have no idea why. I really just found out about this like on the spur of the moment thing, looking over some articles and saw that he is no longer with Warner Brothers. And he was the driving force to rebrand DC Comics to DC Entertainment and kind of re restructure the entire company and the, the forefront of trying to get a lot of these DC projects going now what's interesting is if he's out of the picture he's the person who has been interviewed over and over and over again about how the justice League could be a giant tentpole so the question is where do they go from here where do they go to making the justice League film man of steel is really successful we've already hypothesized the, the different stories that can happen but let's talk about timeline how soon do you want to see the new batman pop up in one way or another since we just had The Dark Knight Rises last year, and how soon do you want to see this Just League film based off of what we have seen with Man of Steel? I'm very used to reboots at this point in my life, and I think it... Unfortunately, when people are rebooting, they're usually rebooting after something that was not great. Spider-Man did it after the first three films they rebooted with Andrew Garfield. We are coming off of an extremely successful and well-received trilogy for Batman with arguably no no need to reboot aside from the fact that the Dark Knight trilogy doesn't fit into what the new DC universe is is hoping to be. I would like to see a new Batman movie for sure, but I think it does need to be a few years away. I think that it, and I mean, obviously, this is what it would be, but if they were to release a new Batman movie, you know, a few years from now, it would be seen very blatantly as a money grab because these movies are extremely successful right now and they know that they can make money off of them. And I would fear that that 
that they would rush that through production and it would be a very a very poor story that they're telling just to get that story out there. I would rather see them I, honestly jump into a Justice League movie, judge the success of the characters based on that, and do the individual movies from there at this point. Having, having seen Man of Steel and, and knowing that that's the universe it's going to be set in, I really would prefer to see the group rather than the individual right now. I agree. I think I would like, also like to see a Justice League film before we see at least another Batman film. It might be necessary to establish a few more characters in uh, in the Justice League first so that you're not introduced to five or six brand new characters who some people might have no idea who they are. I'm not worried about when this comes out. As long as it's not rushed, I want them to take their time and make sure that it's done well so that we're not getting something that's just forced out so it's out there and then because otherwise we're just going to need another reboot i think the man of steel universe or the one that so far has been established is an interesting one it kind of does have that slightly real world aspect to it at least in look but it's been shown that you know there are aliens and superpowers and whilst people are a bit fearful of that there's acceptance of it especially towards the end of the film so it'll be interesting to see that what and people reacting to more people with superpowers coming out in this universe it would be great if they, they've said that bruce wayne's already been around if batman has been around much like in the new 52 he's been around five years before superman ever came about so if they had that him in the shadows and then when superman comes out you, you start to see more of Batman, he becomes less of a legend and more of a an actual figure in Gotham. That would be a, a cool way to do that. I think. I think that that actually is a really good idea. I think that because the Dark Knight trilogy was so successful, I think it would be a disservice to the character of Batman to actually give him another origin story so soon. Yes, there's clearly going to be some differences between the Nolan universe and the universe that they're going to create with Batman, but I think that it's important for them to maybe just not necessarily do the origin story, just everybody knows Batman's origin story. It's been told in countless movies. We had Batman 1989. It was told in some way, shape, or form in Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin... So, I mean, like, there's not really a need to continue to do it over and over again. Plus, we had just more recently, within the last, well, I mean, at this point, it hasn't even been 10 years, we had Batman Begins. So, I don't think that they need to do an origin story. They can do another Batman story, and they can just skip the origin story and just go straight into Batman being Batman or something, you know, setting it up, like Joe said, where he's like living in the shadows and stuff like that and doing stuff and he's really the legend and then to tie it into the universe because Superman comes out and is more of like a figure there Batman decides to do that in Gotham City and become more of a figure that people you know can actually be scared of and look up to for help instead of just being this legend that may or may not actually exist. So the only other thing I want to talk about is there was a there this is going a little bit back to the Man of Steel. There was a article that I read in Entertainment Weekly the week after the film released about this specific columnist had an issue with something that happened in the film 
And a lot of the article was the columnist saying that the film wasn't very cheery. That you know that the his main complaint was that it wasn't very it wasn't a very fun film. But his biggest complaint that he had was that Superman kills. He snaps Zod's neck at the end of the film to save the lives of the the humans, the Earthlings that are about to get the burned by Zod's heat vision. So I wanted to th- I want to get your guys' thoughts on that because basically the columnist presented it as he had a problem with the fact that basically he kills him there's he doesn't show a lot of signs of remorse and then we cut to the next scene where he's trading, you know, he's trading jabs with the military general and smiling it up. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because when I read the article I was pretty furious about the article in general and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that element of the movie about Superman killing Zod. That to me, if if the article said Superman did it lightly, we were not watching the same movie. He struggles to try to control Zod for probably a good 90 seconds. You know, that's that's enough time for him to be sitting there thinking, I am about to kill the last of my race. I'm about to wipe out the remainder of Krypton. And I'm about to take a life. And he he doesn't do it right away. And my my issue with that was, you just killed thousands of people in Metropolis by flying through those buildings and not taking the fight somewhere else, like out to space where you know you're both fine. You have chosen to do that. And you're not choosing to just snap his neck earlier. If it were me and I saw that disregard for human life that Zod had and that level of destruction that he was capable with, that would have been my first move. I don't think it's about whether it's right or wrong that, that Superman killed someone. He, he has always done what he does in view of the greater good. And there's so much in that, that in this film that shows that, like him rescuing the bus, that to me that scene, you know, you saw his heartbreak afterwards. You saw him scream out. That was not something he he did lightly. It was something that he did when he was backed into a corner and he had no other choice. The scene afterwards where he's trading quips with the general or the, the colonel or whoever it was, that to me felt like the sort of ending that they would tack on after a test audience said, yeah, this movie is really dark. Can you, can you give it a happy ending? And they were like, yeah, sure, no problem. We got this. You like this one? Yeah, we like that one a lot better. I didn't read it that way at all i mean watching that scene it really it's a really powerful scene and watch being in the cinema surrounded by people there's kind of a collective hush an instant like dead silence followed by a collective what the f-? and i think everyone felt that it was really like this is different what he just killed him and i think that it is justified and you see Superman's anguish in that scene and I I, I mean I, like I said I've seen it twice now. I don't recognise the jump from that scene to the next scene it doesn't jar me and Melinda just brought up a point which I have seen a few times about them crashing through the buildings possibly killing people but Unless I'm remembering incorrectly, that is done in the area where the world engine was set off, and those buildings were empty, all people were dead in them. Because you don't see any people in those buildings, and that's where 
you know, the gravity the, being lifted up and killed. Those buildings were evacuated. All the people in them were already killed. And, you know, he could have taken it to another place. But I, it didn't bother me. I didn't feel like he was endangering lives. I don't feel at all like there was an unnecessary or... I, I can't think of the right word, but when people refer to death, just, I mean, like, watch the Avengers, there, there are buildings, like, being toppled and people killed. In this, I actually felt the death when people were being lifted up into the air and thrown back down again. I, the way that was done, I felt was really powerful, and I felt the loss of human life there, where maybe some people didn't. May, um, I'm not sure if that was just the way I was watching it or what it, what that was. I don't feel that Superman fighting there was affecting other people. People's lives. I mean, immediately when they crashed into the, I believe it was train station, there were obviously people there, and that's when Superman acted and thought, right, no, I have to end this. This is the only way this is going to stop. Sold was saying, you know, I'll never stop. I'm going to kill everyone here. And you know, Superman, he, he had to kill the last of his kind in that. <laughs> in that scene and I think that it was shown emotionally enough that it, I just it, it struck me like emotionally but it, it didn't bother me in a way I, I thought it was just a really powerful scene my thoughts on this was this I didn't have a problem with it because honestly even after he he ends up snapping Zod's neck he sits there and he cries out and Lois sees him sees it what he had to do and he goes to her and she consoles him because of this thing the immediate cut to you know Superman flying to see the general and talking to the general and kind of like you know making small talk with the general didn't really make didn't really bother me because I didn't get this feeling that oh this had happened immediately afterwards the biggest thing that I think that that the columnist had a problem with was the fact that that Superman killed. And in his mind Superman doesn't kill. And if Superman does kill it's a lot more it's a it's it's a lot more severe, whatever. He named off a number of different examples from the comics where the, the some of the few examples where Superman actually had to kill someone and you know, he talked about how much remorse was after the fact that he killed someone. And here here's my thought, okay? The majority of the stories that he was quoting was from the 80s and the early 90s. This is a different world nowadays. That's my theory, okay? One, everyone who's sitting there saying, well, this isn't as this isn't the Superman that I was expecting. It's not as happy, fun, and cheerful as, as the first Superman films. This isn't the 1970s. This is a completely different time frame. What worked in the 1970s doesn't work now. We've seen movies tried to be like movies from the 1970s and they have not worked very well let me just say Superman Returns as horrible as that was a lot of what they were doing was trying to be similar in in various different ways to what was done with the 70s films 70s and 80s Superman films so I mean they needed to do something different they know and everyone knows that if you take a superhero and make him a little bit more relatable to the audience and you also at the same time make it a little bit more dark it can be pretty successful marvel has seen success with that batman seen success with that that's what they decided to do it's not supposed to be an exact replica of what you saw in the 1970s and 1980s with superman because then you get superman returns yeah, you get Superman Returns, or you get Superman number four, Quest for Peace, which 
you know that's one of the films that people you know say is for the longest time was one of the worst superhero films because it was because it derived so far away from what Superman was. But besides that, it's it, this is a different time frame. They have to do something new with the character, and you know I understand that you know you know there's people who think that Superman shouldn't kill, and you know I, I think that he was brought to the point where he had no choice. He was either he killed Zod or he was going to let the humans get fried by Zod, and then he'd have the human all of those humans' blood on his own hands because he let Zod live. I mean, he was put in a position where he didn't really have a choice. It was either save innocence or save somebody who's already been destroying half the planet that he grew up on and raised him from the time that he arrived at the planet when he was a baby. So, I mean, like, there's so many reasons of why it makes sense. The other thing to tie into this is the fact that... The other thing to tie into this is the fact that, you know, people have said the fact that it's not a very cheery movie, it's not very fun. And Joe mentioned the fact that, you know, there's a lot of scenes that, you know, between the scenes between uh, Superman and Lois, those are some of the more fun scenes and cheery scenes. And I agree with that. And I think we'll probably see a lot more of those scenes come to the next film when, you know, now that Clark is actually working at the newspaper... It'll make sense for them to have more interactions and have more of those, you know, quirky, funny scenes that everybody seems to want more of. It'll happen more because they'll be in contact with each other every single day. It's not like this film where you don't even you're not even introduced to Lois until 45 minutes into the first film, and then she's here, there, here and there, and that's it. I mean, like that. I mean, it's just it's very interesting that people. They, they see the film and they, they make all these judgments. Because I, I saw a lot of different things about how it wasn't as fun as the original Superman films. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess if you, were, if, you, if you grew up, if you were a teenager or something in the 70s and you saw the Superman films, I'm sure that, those are your Superman films. I'm sure that some people who grew up in the 80s would say that Batman 89 is their Batman film compared to people who say that the Nolan films are their Batman films. It's all a matter of opinion, and I think that this Superman film, I think it's off to a great start, and I think that it probably will be a little bit more cheerful. A lot of it will probably has to do with the fact that eventually they're going to get to different villains outside of Zod, who's a very dark character who deals with his origin. You know, they'll get to Lex Luthor, who I'm sure will be, you know, cracking jokes left and right. Hopefully not, but... but that's something that you know we're gonna have we're gonna see is the fact that you know there's only so many ways you can play an evil person who's just a billionaire so i agree and like i was saying you know i i felt that there were enough cheerful moments in it i do to a certain degree wish that it was a bit more fun but like i said i'm glad that they didn't go too far because there's a definite risk of it crossing into being campy i'm hoping that in future films there is chance for more enjoyment because, you know, he should... I, I think some people were saying that he doesn't seem to enjoy his powers. And, I mean, we were only seeing him learn them. And when he was a child, you know, he, was, he didn't want to be different. And that's why he didn't like that he was different and had all these, you know, powers. I mean, there's an amazing scene when he starts discovering his ability to hear. And, I mean, I've only really seen that in a, a few... I haven't seen that in any of the films. And I thought that was a really great scene. So... I think that now that he's embraced his powers, I think there's a chance for him to have more fun with them as well and interacting with new people and, and more fun people and more of his cast of characters. And I think there's definite chance for that and for him to 
be more cheerful in the future. Well, and I think people are really quick to say this wasn't a happy movie, this wasn't a, you know, a fun movie, because they're coming off of a lot of the Marvel movies, which do use a lot of one-liners, but there's a really big difference between a movie with a lot of jokes in it and a joyful movie. Like, when you watch... I'm glad Joe brought it up, because I would completely forgotten about this, but when you watch him learn to fly for the first time, that is pure, unbridled joy on his face. When you look at the interactions that he has with his mother when he's talked about how he's found his people, again, that's another really happy moment for him. And it's it's not necessarily... I don't think it should necessarily be about the one-liners, but this was actually a very happy, hopeful movie, which is what I think Superman is really all about. So leaving aside the whole, yeah, Superman killed, he did it because he had no choice. This was a hopeful movie, and that's what Superman is supposed to embody. All right, so that is everything we're going to talk about Man of Steel. Clearly, this is the beginning of the new direction that the DC films will go in. I still would love to see a Batman-Superman team up at some point in the near future, but for now, we are left with an empty slate for DC films in the near future outside of the animated stuff because there is nothing else planned because it all hinged on whether this movie would be successful or not. So hopefully in the coming months, we'll hear something about the fact that this movie has been ridiculously successful, and in turn, we're going to see some more DC projects in the pipeline coming out in the near future. At this point, I would say that there is no way that we are ever going to see that Justice League film in 2015 for two reasons. One, there's just not enough time between now and then, and the fact that Jeff Robinoff is no longer at Warner Brothers. So with that, that is everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics as well. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe, as well as our Facebook group to chat with other Bat fans about everything related to the Batman universe. In addition to that, you can leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. You can check out all the other podcasts we have to offer, including a TBU Aftercast, a new Rank the Batman special, both of which have posted in the month of June, as well as new episodes of the Bat Fans, Back with Oracle, Taking Flight, the comic cast, and the villain wall that you may not have seen that posted at the end of May. Email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net or leave your comments in the podcast post on the website in the section below. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Melinda. And this is Joe. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next month. Happy 4th of July and happy Canada Day, everybody. Thank you.